The sacrifice that Jesus made was not just on the cross. The sacrifice that he made was for all eternity. Jesus will be human for all eternity. He became flesh. And right now, physically, just like you are seated in your chair, physically, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Flesh and blood. Spiritually, he lives within each one of us, and it's a great mystery that I don't fully even now comprehend. Christ in us, the hope of glory. A gentleman by the name of Césaire Pavis. Never heard of him. He said this, we do not remember days, we remember moments. We do not remember days, we remember moments. I want to share with you a moment from the life of an individual who Pend it so that you and I could participate. Following Christmas dinner one year, my family was relaxing around the kitchen table. We had all enjoyed traditional turkey, sweet potatoes, lightly glazed with brown sugar, and a final wedge of pumpkin pie topped with a dollop of ice cream. Oh, praise God. I feel the anointing. The good cooking smells still lingered. The oven remained warm. My sister, our chef, was basking in all the compliments. Fabulous meal. I really couldn't eat another bite. Everything was wonderful. And Dad had risen from his chair and was contentedly standing nearby. My nephew, never one to sit still for too long, began dribbling his new basketball around the table, and throughout the kitchen. And upon nearing Dad, he stopped almost uncertainly. And with shaking, wrinkled hands, Dad reached out for the ball. He did not speak, and the boy, confused, looked up and looked over at us all. It took some convincing, but the ball was gingerly passed over to Dad. I watched my father closely to see what he would do. A playful smile appeared upon his face. The twinkle in his eyes shone brighter than any of our Christmas lights. Holding the ball and reaching forward, Dad bounced it on the floor and caught it. This action was repeated. Nodding approvingly, he then turned towards our assembled group and gently tossed the ball away. 
Dad began a game of catch. The ball continued to be passed through eager pairs of outstretched hands. Cries of, over here, rang through the warm kitchen. Dad's active participation in this game was remarkable to me since he had advanced Alzheimer's. This dementia had robbed him of many memories and recognition of people, places, and points in time at this point in his life. Despite this, Dad clearly recognized the ball and what you could do with it. In my younger years, playing with Dad was rare. To his credit, he worked hard and provided for us. He was very private, never showed nor shared much emotion. His game of choice was chess, which he did eventually teach me how to play when I became an adult. Now I had become a caregiver and watched helplessly as Dad declined. Connecting moments between father and son had been few and far between. And then this basketball. I'm not sure how long we played catch. Watching the clock was not important. Dad gleefully led us until he began to tire. What I do know is that our game ended all too soon. And it was time to face the reality of dirty dishes piled high on countertops. The moment, though, will last forever. On this Christmas, Dad gave me a special memory, one that I will always treasure. Moments. We remember moments. Jesus came that you and I might have moments. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The love of God. There are many facets to Christianity There are uh, many things to learn in the Word of God, and they're important. I'm not minimizing their importance. Let me list a few. We've got to learn faith and grace and the history of Christianity, Old Testament and New Testament. We've got to learn what it means to worship and walk in obedience and servanthood and taking up our cross and and what God's promises are and gifts of the Spirit and baptism of the Spirit and our authority in Christ and our identity in Christ and our calling and our duty and the church that Jesus came to build and its structure and, and where we fit in and covenants and creation 
and, and learning about the Godhead and spiritual warfare, angels and demons. And where, what about dreams and visions that you see all through the scriptures and, and gaining wisdom and understanding? What is my inheritance and heaven and hell and judgments and the end of times? All, all these treasures, that's what they are. Each one of these things that we have to learn and the, the treasures that are in the word are innumerable. And this is just a, a very small portion of what we can learn in Christ. But tonight, what we're focusing on is not all of these things that become part of our walk with Christ, but the foundation of them all. Lying underneath them all all, all of them is the love of God. The love of God is foundational to it all. The love of God. The substance that binds all the rest of it together. Much of the time, we're not aware of the love of God. It is incomprehensible. It is unconditional. It is unimaginable. Paul wrote in Romans 8, What shall separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? Angels, demons, principalities, powers, anything in this life, death, can it separate us? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through Christ who loved us. Paul wrote this, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. People in the scriptures who had a moment where the love of God touched them. Just some that come to mind in the Christmas story, the shepherds that everybody forgets, the shepherds that is on the low part of the, the, the social totem pole. They are forgotten by everybody, but not by God. Jesus is born, and that night, there's only one group of people that come to visit uh, Joseph and Mary. One, a group of shepherds that had just experienced the glory of God and found the baby in a manger just as they had been told. A moment that their life is never the same. We think of the woman that was caught in adultery and everyone wanting to stone her. But Jesus looked at this woman and said, where are your accusers? They're not here, Lord. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. A moment where she encountered the love of God. And her life was never the same. I think of Zacchaeus, the tax collector, of small stature, and nobody liked him. 
But he heard Jesus was passing that way, and so he climbed a sycamore tree to see if he could just get a glimpse of the Savior. And it turned out that the Savior got a glimpse of him and said, come down out of that tree, Zacchaeus. I'm coming to your house today. The love of God in a moment changing the course of a person. Could go on and on. The man in the Gadarenes, the rich young ruler, Mary Magdalene, out of whom seven demons were cast. Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. It was noted in the scriptures that, that Jesus loved them. Jesus loved the ones that nobody else would. He was accused of eating with sinners all the time. He allowed the children to draw near in a culture that thought children were lesser. And he laid hands on them and blessed them. Think of the disciples. John learned to call himself the beloved. He thought himself the favorite and noted in his own gospel that that he laid his head on the chest of Jesus at the Last Supper. A man that had been touched by the love of God. Peter in a moment of restoration after the resurrection, been out sulking and fishing with his friends. And he heard the voice a second time, cast your net on the other side. And 153 fish were caught. They darted to the shore. And Jesus took a moment to restore fallen Peter so that he could be effective in the kingdom again. A moment. Do you remember the moment when God first revealed his love to you? You didn't perhaps even think that God was real or perhaps you had known in your childhood, but you had wandered far. And suddenly it didn't matter what you had done. It didn't matter where you had been. It didn't matter how long you had been away. The love of God drew near to you and came to where you are in all of your weakness and failure and frailty, the love of the Father came and lifted you up and restored your life. Praise God. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes deeper. It rises higher. It picks us up and surrounds us. It's the love of God. He will never leave you nor forsake you. His love is strong and his love is real. The Pharisees despised 
A woman who had been transformed by the love of God. Who came in the meeting. Can you imagine the audacity? This sinner coming in the Pharisee's house. And wept. Washing his feet with her tears. And drying his feet with her hair. Because she had been touched by the love of God. The moment what binds the people of God together is not that they are perfect, is not that they never make mistakes, is not that they don't ever go the wrong way. What binds us together is we have been touched by the love of God. And we can never be the same. If you haven't already received your ornament, we have an ornament for you. And it's a disco globe. And we chose the disco globe because, you know, in, in and of itself, the disco globe is not very pretty. Just a bunch of cut-up glass. Do you know what makes the disco globe special? Do you know what makes it beautiful? Is that it reflects that which comes to it. You know what makes the church beautiful? Not, not each one of us in, a, in and of ourselves, What makes the church beautiful is that she reflects the love of God to a dying world. And she she, uh, gives away what she has received. It's because of this love that the, the church and those in the church, if they really truly experience what God has for them, they can't stay in their bitterness long. They can't stay in the place of unforgiveness very long. They can't stay in the place of holding grudges very long. Because they realize this God, I don't deserve this love that God has given to me. I don't deserve it. And, and these people that have, that have wounded me, I might not think they deserve it either. But, but they're just like me. And I'm going to reflect the love of God on them just the same. Why do we love so little? Jesus said of that woman, her sins, which are many, are forgiven because she loved much. And the one that is forgiven much loves much. So why do we love so little? Sometimes it's because we have a warped sense of how good we are in and of ourselves. We compare ourselves with others instead of with him. And we all have people that we think are above us, but we all have people that we think are below us. Oh, I know I'm not great, but at least I'm not that bad. And we have a sense of certain self-righteousness. And we look at the Pharisees and we condemn them, but by condemning them, do we condemn ourselves? 
And we limit the love of God because of the self-righteousness that we carry. Secondly, and very much like it, is maybe not a sense of self-righteousness, but a sense of self-exaltation. This person might not think that they're righteous. They're not righteous in their own eyes, but just as real, they are out to live for self. They view this time that we have on this planet as a great opportunity to advance self. And when you live that way, you miss The love of God. Perhaps somebody misses the love of God because of ignorance. They've never heard the name of Jesus. We have missionaries on that wall serving in places where millions live that have never heard the name of Jesus, not even once. They don't understand the love of the Father because of ignorance. And this is why on this Christmas night, I make no apology to say we have got to keep preaching the gospel and we have got to keep sending missionaries around the nations. Some are aware of God's love but never receive it because they're more comfortable They've grown more comfortable in their own shame. I might not like this place, but I understand this place. It's easy to operate in this place. I prefer my pain that I know to a possible healing that I don't know. And some don't receive the love of God or give it because of unbelief. God would certainly offer this kind of love to everybody else. But to me? Paul was another that was touched by the love of God. A Pharisee of Pharisees murdering Christians. But on the road to Damascus, a moment that changed his life forever. He described himself after that as the chief of sinners. And he penned one phrase. And this phrase I'm praying will stick with you throughout this Christmas week. As you are with friends or family or wherever you go. And he penned this in 2 Corinthians 5.14. There's a whole teaching on either side of this phrase. I'm pulling this phrase out of it all. And he wrote this. For the love of Christ 
compels us. Compels us. This Paul, this same Paul that suffered 49 lashes, this Paul that was left for dead, beaten, shipwrecked, hunger, famine. What drove him? The love of God. The love of God. In a moment, God looked at Paul and said, Paul, you're worth keeping. I have an assignment for you. He was plucked out of darkness into the light of Christ. Was never the same. And this love that overwhelmed him compelled him to keep ministering. Well, Pastor, you don't understand how much rejection I've faced for the love of God compels me. You don't understand how many times my family has mistreated me for the love of Christ compels me. Pastor, you just don't know how hard it is. I, the love of Christ compels me. And tonight, as we have just another moment together, we remember the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I might mess up a lot of things in this life, but I want to reflect that. Amen? I want to reflect that. The love of God. We're going to have a moment of communion here together tonight. And then we're going to light our candles. But let's just pray that in this moment, as we share, that God's love would be poured out. Some of you tonight are going to go home and you're going to be with a full house tomorrow. And it's going to be filled with family and joy. And then there's others of us tonight that, that those are bygone days. It's very difficult. The season is not easy. I'm praying tonight that whatever your situation, that the love of Christ will surround you. The love of God will touch you. No greater love that Jesus had was that he went to the cross for you and me. 
He shed his blood on Calvary. As they distribute the bread and the cup, we remember the cross together. Not our perfection, his love. Not our failure. We turn away from that. His sacrifice. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We want to take a moment as you hold the bread in the cup just to remember the cross, to allow the Holy Spirit to examine our hearts. If there is sin in our heart, freely confess that to the Lord. Repent of that thing. Ask God to wash you clean. Don't take communion in an unworthy manner. Lord, we allow Holy Spirit in this moment, on Christmas Eve, to search our hearts as we remember the cross. Jesus, it's by your blood that we are made whole. It's by your broken body. It's by the cross that the way was made for us to come back to God. Lord, this bread and this cup, in it is the love of God surrounds each one of us and touches our lives. And so, the Last Supper, you took up the bread and you broke it and you said, this is my body that is broken for you. As often as you take of it, remember me. And so, Lord, as we take this bread in our hands, we remember your broken body. We thank you, Lord. Let's partake of the bread together. Thank you, Jesus. And then he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of my covenant, of a new covenant shed for you. And we remember in Isaiah 53 that this blood was shed, these stripes were given for our healing. And this blood was poured out for our forgiveness to cover our transgression. And Lord Jesus, as we partake of this cup together, we, we remember you. Let's partake of the cup together. Hallelujah. Just give the Lord praise right now. Hallelujah. We give you praise. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. 
We thank you, Lord. There is healing for me. Oh, my God. There is life for me. The love of God is, is on my life. And I give you thanks. I give you praise. Thank you, Jesus.